Good morning. Time to begin our services this morning. Just want to welcome everyone. And for our visitors, especially want to welcome you and thank you for being here this morning. And I'd like to invite you back this evening for our 6 p.m. services. And then also on Wednesday at 7 p.m. we have a short Devo and then we have a Bible study. Love to have you all back for the, both of those. Just a, a reminder to pick up a Rome journal uh, for all of our upcoming activities. And Dave will have those, I'll uh, be announcing those at the end of our service this morning. And also just an updated uh, prayer list to have. Uh, this morning we do have a, a guest speaker with us, David Deagle, who is from the West Virginia School of Preaching. And he will be uh, presenting our lesson this morning. And uh, Chris will get up and, and do a fuller or more full uh, introduction of him at the appropriate time. This morning, as we uh, prepare to enter our worship services, I'd like to read from 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let's go to God in prayer. Father in heaven, as we come together this morning to worship and sing praises to you to remember your son sacrifice on the cross father we are thankful for you we are thankful that you are our god and we know that you are worthy to be praised father father we thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning to the our ability the health that you've given us to allow us to to be here and father we are mindful that there are some that are unable to be here father some that are facing various health issues, and we ask your healing hand upon them, Father. Father, we ask that you would be with our worship time here this morning, that all that is said and done will be pleasing unto you. Father, we ask your blessings upon our speaker this morning, Brother Deagle. We ask that you would be with the, the West Virginia School of Preaching and all the facilities around the, the country that are training men to preach preach your truth father just be with them and, and bless them father we again are so thankful for our time here for your son jesus and we ask that you would forgive us of any sin or shortcoming that we have it's through jesus christ we pray these things amen first hymn this morning number 388 388 <clears throat> Let every heart rejoice and sing. Let every heart rejoice and sing. Let Oh. 
Next hymn this morning, number 544, Redeemed, 544. After this hymn, Brother Steve Wallace will have our scripture reading and prayer. Scripture reading for this morning will be from the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 4. <clears throat> 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I char charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince rebuke, exhort, with all long-suffering and teaching. Would you pray with me, please? 
Dear God, our Father in heaven, we praise your name this morning as we gather together to worship you and to honor you and to praise your high and holy name. Lord, we pray that as we humbly come before you this morning that you would forgive us when we fall short of your glory. We pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us that we can remove those uh, sin in our lives. Pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us to do your will always. We thank you, Lord, uh, for the gift of your son and all that he means to us. That sacrifice that, that gives us the forgiveness of sin and the hope of an eternal home with you in heaven one day. We thank you, Lord, for blessing us each day in so many ways. Lord, we pray that you would be with the church here at Rome. Help us to do your will. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be a shining light to the community, a shining light in a dark world. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be diligent as students of your word, take the scriptures and apply them to our heart, to our lives. Lord, we give you thanks for all of the, all the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray all of these things in his name. Amen. Next hymn this morning, number 384, Lead Me to Calvary. <clears throat>
This morning, as we surround this table, I'd like to remind us about how powerful that the body of Jesus is and how powerful that the blood of Jesus is. And if you think about those words, I, I didn't use the word was, I used the word is, because it is just as powerful today as it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus said in John, we're going to be reading some from John chapter 6, uh, several different verses there, but we'll be talking from John chapter 6. And Jesus says, Verily I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. The true bread. And in John 6 verse 38, Jesus says that I am the bread of life. Those were Jesus' words. And we know that when the children of Israel was, uh, when they left Egypt and they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, that God had sent them manna. God had sent bread from heaven for them. And he did that for 40 years. And he did it every day, six days a week, twice on Saturday or, or before the Sabbath. And, and he did that for 40 straight years. And you think about that. That is a lot of manna, a lot of bread. But Jesus reminds them uh, of this in verse 49. And it says, Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Then he goes on to tell them about his bread. In verses 50 and 51, it says, This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. We see two things in, in, in those verses right there, that God had sent two different types of bread from heaven and one of the breads just prolonged life it didn't stop life or dying it just prolonged life and then the other bread gave eternal life that's what Jesus said he was the bread of life also we read in John verses 54 55 and 56 we read about the blood of Jesus starting with verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. We know that throughout the Old Testament, that animals were sacrificed daily. Millions, I'm sure millions of animals, because we have one account uh, in Kings where Solomon, he actually, he offered up 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep in one day. Josephus, uh, uh, he was a Jewish historian, he had recorded that they were 
he called them enormous, enormous slaughter operations. And some passages even depict that the priest wading around up to their knees in, the, in blood. Jesus was the last sacrifice, the final sacrifice period for our sins because he was the Lamb of God. Jesus was pure. Jesus was sinless. Nothing on earth can stop that blood from flowing. No diseases, uh, not even Satan. A drop of his blood did what, what uh, let's try that again. A drop of his blood did what blood from millions of animals could not do. They could not forgive sins. How powerful is the blood of Jesus? It is the bread of our life. How powerful is, 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 the, is the body of Jesus? How powerful is the blood of Jesus? It cleanses us from all sins. And I would like to finish up by reading Matthew 27, verses 50 through 54. And this tells us the power of Jesus' body and his blood. Matthew 50, 54, verse 27. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this is the Son of God. Would you bow with me as we give thanks for the bread? Father, we thank you so much for sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. And, and Father, we realize that uh, he is the only way, Father, to heaven. And we just pray that you'll bless us this morning as we take this bread that represents his body, the body that he laid down for us, no one took it from him. Bless us, Father, as we take it and bless this bread. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Bow with me as we give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Father, again, we're thankful for your son and thankful, Father, for the blood that was shed on our behalf. And, and Father, we know that uh, it continues to, to cleanse us from all sins, Father, if, if we walk in a way that you would have us to do. Father, we pray that you will bless this fruit of the vine that represents the blood that was shed. Bless us as we take it in Jesus' name. Amen. This concludes the Lord's Supper. While the uh, ushers are on the floor, it's convenient time for us to uh, take up our collection. And this is the time of year that uh, a lot of people have the the giving feeling, the giving heart, loving heart. And, and but we as Christians, we know that uh, 
we have an obligation to give, to give back, and we are truly blessed. We're blessed to be able to be here this morning and, and worship God, and, and uh, we just want to always remember that everything that we have comes from God above. Bow with me as we give God thanks. Father, we do thank you for all that we have. Father, we know that uh, all good things come from you. And Father, we know uh, as Christians that we have the uh, obligation to give back a portion of, of what you have allowed us to, to have. And, and Father, we, we need to plan on our giving and, and Father, just take it serious as, as all other portions of our worship service. We pray, God, that you will bless those uh, this time of year that, uh, who are in need, and we pray that you will help us, Father, to help them any way that we can. Again, thank you for your son. Thank you for all that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 682, To God Be the Glory. <clears throat> so at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. Thank you. 
Invitation hymn for this morning, number 634, The Great Physician, 634, Brother Christian. Good morning. Uh, we have a guest speaker this morning, Dave Daigle from the West Virginia School of Preaching. He's one of their recruiters there. He did a wonderful job informing us of some of the things that the school is doing um, this year and in the coming years, and we're excited to have him. Um, he did mention that there are several resources that you need to be made aware of that uh, West Virginia School of Preaching has, uh, has given to the Brotherhood. They have um, an entire five-volume set on the book of Psalms. You can purchase that. They have a lectureship every year. And for the last, uh, every other year, for the last ten years, they've gone through the book of Psalms. And so that's a treasure for us. I'm sure you'll want to look that up. They also have an online Zoom class uh, coming up this this uh, this coming January over uh, the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, and Colossians, and uh, so you can join that if you'd like to. And uh, so that that's a great resource for for the brotherhood as well as for uh, all the young men and, and older men that they're uh, training to preach the word. And so Dave uh, has done an excellent job there, and we're looking forward to his lesson this morning. He has a wife. He has three children. Uh, they're mostly grown, I understand, and so. Um, I'm sure he's appreciative of that. Um, but we're looking forward to hearing what, uh, what Dave has to say this morning. And so, brother, come preach to us. Good morning, Rome Church family. It is absolutely wonderful to be able to be with you here this morning and I thank you to Chris and I thank you to the elders for allowing me to come here and talk about the West Virginia School of Preaching and to uh, give a lesson this morning. It, uh, it was an absolutely beautiful drive, even though it was raining, but it was still a beautiful blessing from the Lord to be able to uh, come here and to be with you this morning. And I've got to tell you, it's a wonderful blessing. Whether you recognize or not, to see so many young folks within the congregation here. It was great to see a lot of the young men to be able to get up and to serve during the, the communion time. That is a wonderful thing. When you think about the future of the church and the direction that it's going to go, we need young people uh, to be able to take up those roles and to do that. And we're thankful, I am thankful, uh, that you have such a great group here this morning. One more thing that I want to make mention is just God is so good, isn't He? You know, it's just amazing in His infinite wisdom of how He designed and He set up the church. And how, no matter where I go, and I'm sure if you do any traveling, you've probably seen this as well, no matter where you go, you find somebody. Who knows somebody that you know within the church. We are a family of God. And it's wonderful whenever we be able to get together. And we see people we know. And see people who know people we know. God has blessed his people so abundantly. The brother at the communion time 
made mention about the power of God. It made me think about Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. And this becomes important in our lesson this morning and for that scripture reading that was read in 2 Timothy, which we're going to spend some time in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and chapter 4 this morning. But you think about that verse, what Paul says, right, as he's writing to the church at Rome, that the power of God is from the gospel of Christ. The power of God is the good news of Jesus. The death, the burial. And that resurrection of Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Because that is what brings salvation. The shed blood of our Lord, the forgiveness of sin found in that one drop, as he said. That one drop of blood. That is powerful. And when we think about how powerful that is. 2 Timothy chapter consequently breaks my heart have you recently been disenchanted with what you see going on in society I've come to understand of a recent issue that has happened here in Ohio And you know it well. Of the deception that really kind of happened at the voting. And things of evil that were propagated and now lawful. And things like that break my heart. When I see just the evil and the wickedness and the sin that is going on in the world. And we as Christians stand back and we're like, what do we do? What do we do whenever we are living in a time that is full of debauchery, that is full of evil and wicked people. 1 Timothy chapter, or 2 Timothy, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. It's the very same picture that Timothy is experiencing, that Paul writes to him to warn him and to encourage him. We see this plight of society that's going on. Just as a way of reminder for the historical context of what's going on here, Paul has left Timothy in Ephesus. And if you've ever done any study on the city of Ephesus, it was a very, very wicked city. The goddess of Diana, or Artemis is also her name, is the goddess of fertility. And there was many ways that you could worship goddess Diana, but one of those you think about were things that were wicked in nature, and I'm not going to get into it, but you know what I'm talking about, of how they worshipped these gods in the temple with the sexual immorality that was going on. And that's only one major issue of sin and wickedness as happening Within the city of Ephesus. And Paul writes. In 2 Timothy chapter 3. With this plight that is going on. He says. 
But know this, verse 1, that in latter days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient of parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. How horrible do you have to be just to hate good? Maybe this is the Grinch. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the form of godliness but denying its power from such people, turn away. So Paul writes to Timothy, I'm sure he knows that this is going on within the city of Ephesus that he's ministering to. Paul writes to him to warn him about these perilous people that are existing. Not only are they perilous, not only are they wicked, but you see their heart. And the very next verses, they're plotting people as well. They plot to try to pull others into their sin and into their wickedness. Starting in verse 6. For of these sort, right, these people who are despisers of good, these people who hate God, these people who just simply boast and are all about loving money, these people who are proud, disobedient to parents. That's my favorite one with my children. Of these sorts are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So not only are they themselves wicked, perilous people, hate God, who are full of sin, but they try to drag other people into their lifestyle as well. Paul says, watch out for these people. Watch out for what they are doing. This is the plight, this is the issue that is going on in Timothy's day, in Timothy's city, in the place where Timothy is to be ministering and preaching the gospel of Christ. But then, he doesn't just tell him about this plight and, well, good luck, Timothy. He reminds him, Paul reminds Timothy that Timothy is prepared for this. Starting in verse 10 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. But you, Timothy... You have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, and my perseverance. You know my persecutions, my afflictions, and what happened to me at Iconium and Antioch and Lystra, and the persecutions that I endured, and out of them the Lord has delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. So Timothy should not be surprised. He should not be surprised whenever he is ministering into this sinful, dark, perverse world that some difficult days are ahead for Timothy. Don't be surprised at it at all. Evil men, verse 13, 
and imposters are going to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you, you must continue in things which you have learned and that you have been assured of and know from whom you have learned them and that from the childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy Yes, the world is full of sin. Yes, the world is full of wickedness. Yes, there are people who are trying to take good-hearted people and probably even Christians away from Christ and make them sinful, wicked people themselves. You know this. And don't be surprised when they come after you, Timothy. You've been forewarned. And it's going to get worse. And it's going to get worse. But keep the faith. But keep the faith and continue the things which you have learned. Keep the faith and continue the things which you have been assured of. Those things are the scriptures that your mother and your grandmother, Eunice and Lois, has taught you. Keep in the scriptures. And then it reminds Timothy of how powerful the scriptures are. That the scriptures are breathed out. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, Timothy, you are equipped. You are able to overcome the sin and the wickedness that's going on in the world, and you can continue to preach the gospel of Christ no matter what because you have the scriptures and because you have the knowledge of the scriptures. As well, Timothy, you are a person who is prepared for the plight that is happening of his day. The plight is the wickedness and the sin that's in the world. Here in the historical context, dealing with Ephesus. But Timothy is prepared. He's forewarned ahead of time that these things are going to happen. He's forewarned that these things are going to continue to get worse. And he's also prepared because of what he knows. Because of his faith. Because of his, his knowledge of the scriptures. And to stay in them. And then in chapter 4 and verse 1. If things weren't serious enough with this warning that Paul is giving Timothy, Paul writes in this really courtroom language, kind of this oath that as one who is taking the stand in a courtroom, right? I swear to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. It's the same kind of idea that Paul writes to Timothy here. That I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who would judge the living and the dead at his appearing. This is how important this is, Timothy. Right? This sin and the wickedness of the world that you're dealing with right now is going to keep getting worse. People are pulling others away from Christ and pulling them into sin. You're prepared. You know this ahead of time. You're prepared because you know the scriptures. So listen up. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. 
convince, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering. I find this odd. Why is Timothy in Ephesus? Why is he there? He's there to minister, right? He's there to be in this city, and he's there to preach the gospel of Christ. He is there to proclaim the good news of Jesus. He is there to proclaim that Jesus loves the entirety of the world, and so does God, and that's why God sent Jesus into the world, so that all man can be saved. He is there to preach that sin is horrible, and God has an answer to sin through the blood of Christ, and that all men have the opportunity for salvation through Christ, and that all men are going to be judged by Christ. That's his job. His job is to preach the word. But here, for whatever reason, Paul feels the need to write to him, to encourage him to preach the word. Perhaps, perhaps, and I don't know, but perhaps maybe... Because of the sin that's going on at Ephesus, perhaps because of worry of being persecuted, perhaps the worry of suffering as a Christian because of being a preacher of the gospel within the town of Ephesus, that maybe, just maybe, Timothy wasn't preaching boldly the word of God. And Paul, in his last days of his life, as you go through chapter 4, you see this idea that Paul says, right, he's ready to be poured out as a drink offering. His departure is soon at hand. He has fought the good fight of faith. He doesn't know if he's ever going to see Timothy ever again. And so he wants to make sure that he encourages Timothy that no matter what is going on in the world, that you proclaim the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the entirety of the world. It's just that important. That's the historical context of what is going on when Paul writes this last letter. And we don't know if Paul ever got to see Timothy again. We don't know if Paul was ever able to see Timothy face to face and to take Timothy by the shoulders and to try to encourage him and say, preach the word. Do the work of an evangelist. Study to show yourself approved. Perhaps he had the opportunity, but perhaps he didn't. And anytime we we read Scripture and we think about Scripture and and what was going on at the time, we often step back and we want to contemplate of, okay, all right, this happened to Paul, this happened to Timothy, this was going on in the town of Ephesus. Does that have any bearing on us today? Does that have anything that we need to think about for us today? And whenever I think about the things that are going on within our world and the things that are going on within our society, we think about the current application of what's happening. Timothy was living within a wicked society in a wicked city. We are surrounded by people who 
I think within the last maybe 15, 20 years are just militant atheists. It's not that they just don't believe in God anymore, right? You can believe in God. You can believe in the Bible, and you can be foolish as you want to. Whatever, that's fine. I don't have to believe in God. That's the kind of life I grew up in as a teenager. But it seems now anymore that you can't even have that kind of idea that this militant atheism that is out in our society today that we want to remove every aspect of God from the sight of everybody. We can't put the Ten Commandments in a public place anymore. right? Because that reminds us of God. They don't want to see crosses out in the public because that reminds us of Jesus. We want to remove all those things from us. In the last days, perilous times will come. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. For a time will come when they have not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, will heap up for themselves teachers. How many times have you gone out and to try to share the message of Jesus with maybe a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker, and they have this indoctrination of what we look at as the health and wealth gospel. Right? As long as I go to church on Sunday, and as long as I give, and as long as I'm kind of a good person, God is good, and God loves me, and it doesn't really matter in the end. Right? We're all different branches going to the same place. That there really is no truth of the scripture, and that's because they've heaped up them for themselves as teachers. How many people do you know who have various differing lifestyles that are full of sin, that, that go to church, and their church says, well, come as you are. And what you believe in, and what you think about yourself and who you love doesn't matter, because God is love. Heaped up for themselves teachers because they have itching ears. We are living in days of the same kind of days that Timothy was living in. Full of sin and full of debauchery. Full of perilous men during perilous times. But guess what? Just like Timothy, we are people who are prepared. How many times do we read through Scripture that we, we know these things are true? Right? That things are going to grow worse and worse. That sin is going to continue. No, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon reminds us. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Paul says, look, there's going to be some people who depart from the faith. Giving heed to deceiving spirits. And doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience here to the hot iron. We know. Out a passage like Second Peter chapter three, starting around verse sixteen. Peter says, "You know, Paul wrote some very hard things to understand." Didn't he? 
can't wait to a day, perhaps whenever we're all able to be up in heaven together, and we can sit down on Paul's feet and say, what did you mean by that? Help me understand this. And Peter reminds the people to who he's writing to, the Christians of that day, and by implication, us. Right? There are people who are going to take those difficult things of Scripture and they're going to twist them to their own destruction as, the re- as they do the rest of the Scriptures. But notice what he says this. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved. You know people are twisting the Scriptures, but you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness being led away by error of the wicked. Right? We are people, just as Timothy was, we are forewarned that sin is horrible. And wicked people are going to grow worse and worse, and wicked people are going to try to pull people away from the truth of the gospel that there are people who are going to try to twist the scriptures. We know this beforehand. And so we are people just like Timothy, who are people who are prepared. And we are also people who are prepared because of my own. Can you all hear me all right? All right, we're good. I'll try not to walk away in too much. I was talking to Brother Chris, and I'm on my phone. I do pacing. I do laps. It's the only exercise I ever get. <laughs> so we are people, just like Timothy, who are prepared because we're forewarned that there is sin in the world. And we can see it all around us. But we are also, as Christians, people who are prepared because of the faith that we have. We have the truth of the scriptures that we have the opportunity to be able to open up every single day of our lives and to read the truths of the scriptures and to stick in them. And we are people who are prepared because we have the scripture that's been breathed out by God. And so we have the answer to sin. We have the answer to death. The word. So what do we do? I think about Timothy again, right? What does he do? He was a person who was prepared. And what was he called to do? Paul wrote him and said, preach the word. What do we do? We preach the word. When we look at our society and we see the sin and we see the wickedness, what do we do? We preach the word. We don't just stand in a corner of a room. How many of you all go to the hospital? How many of you ever go to a place that's got an elevator? You know what you have there? A hostage situation, if you allow it to be. But what often do we do? We stand in the corner of the elevator and we cross our arms. I don't know why guys do that, where you put our hands in our pockets. Right? We sit in the elevator and we stand there in the elevator up, 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 and we don't say a single word to anybody. Nobody can leave. Why don't we ever share the gospel in moments like that? Why don't we ever try to say something about Jesus? Maybe just ask a question. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Why don't we do that? Are we ashamed of the gospel of Christ? We are people who are just as called as Timothy was to preach the word. 
in season, out of season. Preach it when they want to hear it. Preach it when they don't want to hear it. Preach it when they like it. Preach it when they don't like it. We share the gospel of Christ. Why? Sin is awful. Hell is hot. And because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. For the Jew first. And for the Greek. For every single one of us. And we live in a world that is full of lost people. And what are we to do about it? Preach the word. Share the gospel. And don't hesitate in doing that. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. We all know that verse well. Go into all the world and make disciples. Go to all the world and make disciples, teaching and baptizing and teaching again. It is a command that is given to the Christian to do that. But how often do we wait? How often do we put it off sharing the gospel of Christ? There's a poem a very short poem that reads this, and it's about this idea of procrastination. I'm the king of procrastinator. Why do it today when I can do it tomorrow? But it goes like this. Upon the plains of hesitation, bleached the bones of countless millions. Who, on the threshold of victory, sat down to wait, and in waiting, they died. It paints this picture in our mind of right, this battle that's going on, and they're right there on the forefront of winning the battle, but they decided to hesitate, they decided to wait, and they did that, and they died. Right? We always think in our mind, well, I've got tomorrow. We always think in our mind that I can put off till tomorrow or something, and perhaps the worst thing we can do is to put off in our mind that I can put off till tomorrow to obey the gospel of Christ. If you've not obeyed the gospel of Christ, if you've not made Jesus your Lord and your Savior through obedience, through believing that he is the Son of God, and obeying that gospel, dying to yourself, being buried in that water of baptism, reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and rising from that as a new creation, Romans chapter 6, then you are lost. And if we die in a lost condition, heaven is not our home. Don't put it off. Don't put off sharing the gospel of Christ to somebody else. Perhaps, even maybe, you're somebody like the apostle Paul sharing with Timothy. Right now, do the work of the evangelist. Maybe, right, as a young man or an older man, right, we can do that in our own communities. We can do that in our own family, and we can do it as a profession, too. We can do it on the side. We can come to a place like the West Virginia School of Preaching to learn more about the scriptures, to learn more about how to evangelize and how to reach out to people. But every one of us. 
is given this duty to share the gospel of Christ, and we should not be people who put it off. Friends, if you're here this morning, if you not obeyed the gospel of Christ, will you obey it this morning? If you've wandered away from the truth, come back to Jesus. He invites every single one of us to his table of forgiveness, his table of salvation. It is the gospel that is the power of God for salvation. We obey it this morning as together we stand and as we sing. Good morning, church family. Hope everyone's doing okay this morning. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to visit with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card, uh, they are in the, in the pew in front of you, and uh, place it in the black box in the back. We'd love to have a record of your attendance. And uh, stick around so we can get to know you a little bit better. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. Um, I have a lot, so please bear with me. Um, this Tuesday's Young at Heart. Um, the preschool will be serving us uh, lunch on, uh, at 10.30. I do encourage anybody and everybody to come to that. It's usually really sweet. The uh, little kids sing us some songs and service lunch that day. So it's really, uh, it's really sweet. So um, that is this Tuesday at 10.30. Also, uh, all ladies, the Holiday Cookie Exchange is coming this Thursday at 6 Thursday at Linda White's house. Um, all ladies are to bring two dozen cookies and also some finger foods. Also, December 17th, um, the holiday gift exchange for sixth grade and younger uh, af after evening services at Aaron Carver's house. Uh, if you want more information uh, where she lives, you can ask her um, where she lives or you can uh, get her address from the directory. 
Also, uh, college and young adults gift exchange December 20th, Wednesday after services at the Parker's house. Also, if you're planning on, if you have a child planning on going to CYC, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the foyer table out there. Uh, please sign your child up uh, so that way uh, they can order tickets uh, for uh, your child. Also, um, the mission team's needing some ribbon and bows and boxes for holiday gift wrapping at the mall. If you can help out with that, please see Marvin McAllister. Um, also, there's some lights in the library. Um, if you have a garage or a basement that you're working on, uh, we redid the lighting at the other end of the church with some LEDs, and the old lights um, are in the middle library. So if you're needing lights, please take those. Um, we're advertising for two weeks, and then, um, and then give them away to somebody. So I uh, would much rather offer it to the church first. Um, also, Mally Williams has been selected to serve as a mission intern in Ecuador this summer through Harding. She's raising uh, money for that. There's some envelopes out on the foyer table. If you can help out support her, um, I know she'd greatly appreciate that. Um, what a great opportunity for our young kids to do mission work and, uh, and evangelize, um, just like the sermon we just heard, so uh, to tell others about Christ. Also, spare time. And Ironton is next Sunday uh, from 8 to 11. Uh, everyone is invited to that. Uh, it's bowling, laser tag, and uh, roller skating. Um, maybe uh, Jerry and Gary will go out there and roller skate and show their moves. And uh, also, uh, if you find yourself um, uh, this holiday season uh, by yourself, um, that you don't have family here. Um, we are hosting a dinner here at the building uh, after morning services on the 24th. Um, you know, we, we do encourage, uh, love to have you uh, come and stay with us. What an opportunity to fellowship with one another. And um, uh, food will be provided. Um, all you need to do is sign up. There's a green uh, sign-up sheet on the foyer board. Uh, please sign that sheet so that way we know who's going to be here and how many people we need to plan for uh, for that dinner. That's and that needs to be you need to sign up by the twentieth. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus and Jim Martin and Jackie Haney, Jackie Hutchison in your prayers. Um, also, keep Judy and Marvin Jordan and Tony Mead in your prayers as well. Uh, there have issues with COVID, so keep them in your prayers. Keep Friday Simpson in your prayers as well. Continue to pray for her. Keep David Houck in your prayers as well. And it's good to see Jerry Stevens back with us. Um, he has gallbladder taken out, so don't do this to him and, you know, in the gut. You know, that's what somebody did to me when um, I after I had mine removed, and it makes you flinch. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, it's good to see Jerry back with us. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock. We'll sing one more song. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 738. We will glorify the King of Kings. We'll sing the first and last verse, and then Brother Rick Keister will have a prayer. <clears throat> we will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify.
Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come here this morning to worship you. We acknowledge you as our God, our Lord, our creator, our savior, our majesty, and all the things that, that you are to us because of what you have done for us. We thank you for creating this world, for giving us life, for giving us your son, for giving us the church that he died for that will allow us to come to this place and worship you from time to time. We pray, Father, that everything that we do when we come here will be pleasing in your eyes and that we will endeavor, as long as we do this, to do it according to the pattern that you have laid down for us in your word. We thank you for Dave this morning, the speaker, that he was able to deliver to us an extremely convincing lesson on how we have the responsibility to share what we have in our hearts and in our future with others. We pray, Father, that we will not shirk when opportunities present themselves and that we will even make opportunities to try to share your word with others. We pray that as we leave this morning that each of us will, after having been here, been strengthened been emboldened to serve you better than we have in the past, that we will go out into the world, defeat sin on our own parts, and attempt to help others in their efforts to do so as well. We ask this prayer in your son's name. Amen. 